If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Are you looking to sell or buy your home or looking for an investment property? Look no further. BlackWealthRenaissance.com offers a free realtor directory with realtors located across the country to help you meet your goals. Just go to BlackWealthRenaissance.com and select Realtor Directory under Resources. That's BlackWealthRenaissance.com and select Realtor Directory under Resources. Do you have bad credit and minimum capital and want to get started in real estate? Hi, we're We're the the Mobile mobile Home home Elite Elite Investors. Investors. Our e-course solves all of those problems by giving you all the strategies and secrets to become a successful mobile home investor. Tune in at www.mobilehomeeliteinvestors.com. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellard, checking in with my co-host, Jalen. What up, y'all? This is your boy, Jalen. Our boys, Jared and Kelly, cannot be here right now. They might check in a little bit later. But to kick it off, it's just going to be me and uh, Jared. Uh, God damn. (laughs) Excuse me, bro. It's all good. But yeah. As, once again, y'all, y'all know we have another very special episode of the podcast for y'all. You know it. We have a guest we're really excited about. You may have seen her on Instagram talking about trading and traveling. Yeah. Living the, the life, trading, stocks and options. Yeah, but she also educating the community on it, like, and actually yeah. teaching people how to break away from their nine to five. Or like she said, if you just want to make some extra money just to, you know, get over certain hurdles in your life, she got you. We're talking no other than Miss Terry Ejiyoma. How you doing? Thank you guys so much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, we're so excited to have you. Yeah. This has definitely been a long time coming. We've definitely been waiting on I this. think we've been saving the stocks episode for you. We never really took a deep dive in the stocks. Yeah. So this is be, this, yeah. To be honest, yeah. yeah. So this is going to be the first really deep dive in stocks. Oh, this is so exciting. And then y'all pulled out the sexy voices, too, when we started. I said, oh, no. <laughs> okay. All right, then. <laughs> she didn't have to do it like yeah. that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look. I'm ready. The way we normally kick off the podcast is we go ahead and get you to introduce yourself to the following. And tell them how you got your start. 
Okay, well, I've been investing for over nine years, but I was first exposed to the stock market in high school. Uh, back in high school, I went to a program in Chicago and they showed us the Chicago Board of Exchange. And that was my first time. That's like a, the Chicago stock market, basically. That was my first time seeing all these people making all this money. And like, it was just an eye opener for me. And so I went to college and I said, okay, well, I'm going to study finance in college. So I went to MIT and I studied finance and even got a chance to intern on Wall Street at Morgan Stanley during college. Mm hmm. And then <laughs> y'all got to see, y'all can't see their faces on this podcast, but they looking at me like, what? <laughs> um, so yeah, in college, I, and, and what was really cool about college too, at MIT, I saw guys trading for their tuition. So they were like some guys that I'd always see at their computer and I'd be like, what are y'all doing? They were trading to pay for college. And after that, I decided to go a different route. I didn't go into finance. I went into more of an education route but I traded as a side hustle to supplement my income. Cause you know, in education, we don't make a lot of money. So I just traded stocks on the side until recently I was able to quit my job and start traveling and trading full time. That's really, yeah. you, you really lit. I didn't know you went to MIT yeah. or was doing all it like that. <laughs> Talking about us, man. She the big, big shot here. How you, man. <laughs> yeah, no, that's crazy. I, I That story, like, man, it just, there's a couple things in there that I really want to get into, but the, the whole giving going to MIT, like I don't want to just like breeze over that, like that's just a small thing. So yeah, I, obviously you're a high achiever academically. Uh, could you talk about that type, of, that part of your background? Sure. So I went to Bowie High School here in um, Arlington, Texas, and there was like oh, there was like 550 students in my class. I ended up graduating third in my class. Honestly, though, I should have been number one. Like, I can remember the exact test that made me number three. We were all like a point zero zero one away from each other between me and the first in the class, which really actually pissed me off because the first, the people that were first, like the valedictorian and salutatorian, they got to wear white. And no, no, they got to wear orange and I had to wear white. And I really wanted to wear orange because I had some shoes that would match that cape. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I ended up graduating third in my class, went to MIT. And I remember they, they had actually asked me to come. I had stopped my application at MIT and was content with going to UT because I was going to manage the basketball team. I had already talked to them, but MIT called my, my school and talked to the counselors and was like, Terry didn't finish her application. We want you all to make her finish. So the counselor called like, did a big announcement to the whole school. I remember this day like it was yesterday because I had never been like called to the office. The counselor called me to the office and then was and then made me sit there in the chair until I finished the application. She was like, Terry, they said you haven't finished. You really need to finish this application at MIT. It's a really good school. So I finished the application and once I finished, MIT actually flew me out to see the campus and I got a chance. It was it was like a preview day for some other black students too. But I got a chance to see the school. I walked into one of their physics classes. And I remember sitting in there like, oh, this is easy. I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I went to MIT. Oh, wow. That's, that's really cool. Um, well, congratulations on that. Um, and I want to get into whenever you were talking about um, working with that internship with the uh, stock exchange mm -hmm. and like how you got, that's some vital, vital exposure that a lot of people don't get to see. 
And I know that kind of, you know, helped you, you know, take that step and say, you know, I really want to deep dive into trading. So like, how was that? And what, what kind of effect did that have on you? Definitely. Um, I really want to shout out all the black programs or not just black programs, but programs that have helped minority students. Cause I came from like a single parent household, just me, my mom and my grandmother. So I didn't have exposure to a lot of these things. Had it not been for all the programs in my life, that helped young students, I wouldn't have been where I was. Amen. And I say that because in high school, I did inroads where you go and you intern at a company. And then in college, I did a program called SEO. I think it's called Sponsorship for Educational Opportunity. And that's what allowed me to go and intern on Wall Street. They helped students of color get onto Wall Street and into consulting companies. So that's how I got there. So my summer between junior and senior year, I've got a chance to intern at Morgan Stanley. That's that's really cool. Um, what were some of the things that you were exposed to while interning? Like, what were some of your uh, tasks that you had to do? Or can sure. you not go into that? No, it's fine. So I worked in the debt capital markets. I was an intern in that department. And debt capital markets is like, you know how when you pay for your mortgage, that's a debt, but you have to pay interest on it. Mm -hmm. So the bank is actually making money on your debt. So when you are in capital markets, companies and just big organizations also have lots of debt and the banks are making money on that debt. So I was an analyst in that department and we would look at spreadsheets. It, it actually sounds a lot more glamorous than what it was, but we were doing a lot of analysis of numbers, putting together spreadsheets, just trying to make sure that if they were doing new deals, that they had all the right numbers. But I sat in a, like a big room. I remember there was like tons of desks and we were all in line in different desks and there was TVs with CNBC going, but yep, all day we would just be crunching numbers, trying to make sure that the numbers are right for the next deal. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. So that brings me to like the next kind of point. So growing up, were finances always really like taught to you? And was that like a major part of your upbringing? Not at all. So we had, in terms of my mom and grandmother and I, we had just enough to get by. And there was a couple times where my mom had gotten laid off. So I had to support myself on certain things. So I actually started a candy store in high school and had a little concession stand <laughs> just yeah, to support. Like, yeah, like I was hustling. That was my version of hustle. But yeah, I sold candy. I worked as my mom worked as a referee and then I worked as a referee for the YMCA. Um, we were just trying to make enough. So we didn't have a lot of discussions about finances. We were just trying to, to get some. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. So that makes sense. So whenever you got to college, is that whenever you really started exposing yourself to the finance part? Yes. Yes. Um, that program I was telling you guys about between junior year of high school and senior year of high school, where I got a chance to visit the Chicago Stock Exchange, mm -hmm. that program was the first exposure I had to business. I originally thought that I wanted to be an architect and build subdivisions, but after seeing that and seeing all the things you could do in business, that's when I started shifting my mindset. Oh, that's really mm -hmm. cool. So now you 
you gotten exposed, you made that decision. So I want to know what was the first time you actually went out and traded for yourself? Yeah, and what that looked like? Like, how'd you go find your brokerage account? Everything. Sure. So it was 2010, and I had been going around looking for houses because it was right after the housing crash, and the houses had come down, and that's the only type of investment that I knew about was investing in houses. So I went out with my realtor and we're looking at houses. This is in Chicago at the time. So we're looking at houses and he keeps talking about how much he made in the stock market. He's like, yeah, I have this stock and it's been doing so good. And he just kept talking it up. So I went home and I tried to open an E-Trade account. And actually, y'all, I had put the wrong address on the E-Trade account. So like it didn't open up right away. It took me probably two months for the, the brokerage account to actually let me start trading. Which is crazy. Yes. And I oh I remember too at that time they were talking about how like Apple had just hit a hundred dollars. Can you imagine? Now it's it went up to seven hundred, split into seven, and then has gone up some more. So like this was way back in the day. Apple was at seven hundred, Amazon had just hit like one ninety nine, and they were all saying that it would never be a good company. Yes. What Yes, and, and now Amazon has gone up to $2,000. So if y'all just can think, like back then, I was I was like, I don't know about this Amazon. They they won't ever take out retail stores. Nobody's going to order online. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, my first trade was finally when I got the account open, my first trade was Cisco because I thought that Cisco Systems had, had been out and everybody was talking about how internet would take over. So I wanted to get into Cisco. That was not a good trade. Um, and then later down the road, I always tell my students my worst trade ever was Pandora. I thought that they would take over for, for you know, listening Dreaming to music. But no, now you got Spotify, YouTube. So those were two of my first trades. And it didn't go so well, but I learned a lot. I learned all the mistakes so that I can teach other people how to not make mistakes. So was it like a major hit or was it just like enough to say, okay, I bumped my head on the wall. Let me really sit down and figure out how to analyze and really trade this thing. Right after I had gone full time, I made a trade in Pandora and lost $26,000. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And I remember calling my mom crying and I was just like, mommy, I'm quitting. I can't do this. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm gonna just have to come. And at this time I was traveling abroad. So I was in Thailand and we had like this beautiful day. We had lit all these lanterns. Then I go home because the market time is different. The U.S. market is at night in Thailand. So we had this beautiful day. I went home, opened up my phone, looked at my portfolio and was like, oh, Oh my God. <laughs> so yes, call my mom. She, she, she was, she stopped me though from quitting. Cause she said, well, baby, how are you going to get your money back if you quit now? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was mad at her for being smart at that moment. Cause I was like, what are you talking about? I'm trying to quit and you over here trying to be, be smart. Um, but I went back, I'd stopped the bleeding. Cause right then the portfolio was just falling. And I was, I was so, in, I was so stunned and shocked that I was just going to let it keep falling. But I started going back in, stopped that trade and said, okay, how do I get the money back? 
And then I had to go little by little. And I think that's why I teach people now that it's important to have small goals. When you're trying to just break the bank, that's when you start losing money. But when you have little consistent goals, like, okay, I'm gonna make $200 a day, which equals actually $1,000 a week, $4,000 a month, $48,000 a year, just by $200 a day. But when you can do small goals like that, you can make it work. When you're trying to, I'm repeating myself, but when you're trying to break the bank, that's when you start losing money. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't cash and out I'm, Big Willis. I'm glad style. you said that. Don't like, cash out Big Willis style. Now, because we're getting to talk about investing, I want to get not only into the investor mindset, but really, what was your your strategy with trading? Because to me, are you swing trading? Are you trading day trading? Day trading? Are you like scalping? What what, what, what is the way you going about this? Great question. Okay, good, good question. So there's two pieces to that. Like one is the time frame, and then one is the strategy. So in terms of my, let's start with strategy first. So my strategy is that I'm reading charts and I'm looking for where are the banks, like big banks, like Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, where are they buying millions of shares? Like what price is that? And then I look on the chart and I can figure out where is the bank selling? So the bank is selling at, let's just say this is a stock, the bank is buying at $100 and they're selling at $200. I can look at a chart and find out those numbers. And my strategy is wherever the bank is buying, that's where I put in my orders to buy. And then I'll hold, hold the trade until right before where the banks are selling. And where the banks are selling, that's when I get out of the trade. So that makes sense? So that's the yeah. strategy. It's it's re it's actually pretty simple, but you had to learn what to look for, right? Like you had to learn how to read the chart. <laughs> um, and then in terms of time frame, I'll hold it however long it takes to get between that buyer buyer zone and seller zone. So if it takes um, a day to get there, then I'm out of the trade in a day. If it takes a couple days to a week, then I'll I'll keep it for a week. But that determines the time frame. Instead of just saying, oh, I'm a day trader and I get out of every trade each day. No, I wait until my, my uh, trade reaches its target and then I get out of the trade. Does that make sense? Yeah, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Okay. I'm really glad that, that, uh, that you touched on the, the, the thing with the banks. That's really smart. Like, I'm just thinking about it because I've never really took the deepest dive into taking stocks like trading technicals, but I did do Forex for a while. Mm -hmm. The banks, those are the people they call the market makers. So they're the ones really making the movements in the market when you really think about it. You and I pulling out a thousand or two thousand dollars here. Yeah, it's not that's a drop in the that. bucket compared to what they're doing. Whenever they're exactly. making two and three billion dollar moves, that's whenever you need to be moving if you're trying to really make some money in these markets. Yep, exactly. Like when you're looking at a candlestick chart, the only thing that can move a candlestick is a big bank. That's not me and you. That candle is showing you where is that bank moving. So, yes, you are completely right. The market makers are the ones who move the stocks. Um, so how did you even figure out, like, I need to look at the banks. And did you have a mentor that kind of, you know, led you there? Or did you read a specific book or something like that? Great question. So I've been trading for nine years. The first six years, I was doing it all by myself. And then after that, like I had a situation with one of my friends passing away and I got really serious. So I went and took some classes. My investing classes over $20,000 per class. 
but I was that serious about it. Like, I'm going to pay the money because I really want to learn how to do this right. So I went to a, a couple different schools, took some trading classes, and then it matched up with what I was already doing and came up with my own strategy. Oh, mm -hmm. That's really amazing. I like how you, you know, like you, you took what they were teaching you and you took your own style and, you know, you mixed it up and now you got what you got today. Yes, exactly. And now I do like I have a seven step trading plan. So every time I take a trade, I go through seven steps and it includes everything from picking the right companies to risk management. Because remember, I told you all I took that one trade and lost all that money. That's because I didn't have any risk management steps in place. Like, how do you make sure you're protecting yourself? So now that's included in my seven steps. I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> and then we go into like the charts and how do I time the trades? But yep, I have a seven step strategy now. And that's what I wanted to ask you about also whenever you know you're saying you're waiting until it hit a certain point. Are you setting, I'm, I forget what's the technical term, but- uh, A stop limit loss? orders? Yeah. Stop, yeah, orders. Are you doing like orders where you're stop lossing and things like that? Yes, so the stop loss protects you on the downside. So when you enter your trade, you can put in a stop loss to protect your risk. And that's where you can say, okay, I only want to lose $100 on this trade. If it goes down more than $100, I'm out of the trade. That's a stop loss. And then at my target, you're putting limit orders. A limit order is one that can just sit in the computer until the stock price gets to that level. And that's actually what big banks have in there too. They have million shares that they're wanting to sell at a certain dollar amount. And that, and that's why you can get in and out um, knowing or wanting to see where those bank orders are because it's just sitting there in the computer. It's not like they're watching it. They just said, okay, at this price, $200, we're selling 2 million shares. And I'm also glad that we're able to talk to you right now in this current time because of, I want to pivot now. People are talking, you know, about the forthcoming recession and everything like that you know uh, not our economy is not really slowing down but on a global scale you know people are talking about germany might be going in a recession i know japan just did something with uh their tax rates or whatever and every time they've done it before it pushed them into a recession so how can people who are trading or whatever kind of you know get themselves prepared for a recession wonderful so there's a couple different things one as a trader i can make really good money when the stock market comes down so that's called shorting and that means that you're selling first and then you're waiting for the price to fall and buying it lower and you can still make the difference so one thing that they can do to prepare is learn how to short stocks and and like my class teaches it they can do other courses i personally would recommend mine but <laughs> um, take a course where you learn how to short and how to make money as the stock market goes down. That's one. Having that skill set ahead of time will help you when it actually does happen. Another thing I think they can do is start building up cash. So during a recession, a lot of things are going to go down in price, whether that's homes are going to go down in price, the interest rate already is starting to come down. Um, just many things will go down in price. So if they start saving up cash and building up their, their cash allocations, then when they get, when the market comes down, they'll be able to actually purchase some things at a discount. Even stocks, they can purchase at a discount. Because when those good companies come down, like when Amazon comes down in price, for sure, you know I'm getting some. Mm -hmm. But you just got, they all do, right? <laughs> exactly. 
So start building up your cash and building up your mindset and your knowledge now before the recession. And then when it comes, you'll be ready to actually uh, do something. Yeah, most definitely. Don't be out here like the people back in 08 making bad decisions. Being the, yeah. being, like I always tell this one story when I think about that because I knew a lady. She worked at McDonald's. And she showed me that she was approved for like a $200,000 loan for a house. She was like a manager at McDonald's. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not shitting on nobody's job, but you can't afford that. Like, that, that's the, that was the issue with the stated income and all that. So, like, don't be one of those people out here. Like, we always talk about the recession and ways to avoid hurting yourself. Don't be one of those people out here making those decisions, getting caught on the wrong side of deals because you, you don't realize the times. Yeah. Like you got to recognize that shit is overpriced. There's a lot of things that are overpriced right now. A lot of places. For a lot sure. of things in the stock market are overpriced, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. But like people are not looking at that. Uh, I, I ain't got no question. I just. Hey, I but know. I definitely got you on that one too because I want to make a comment. Like even New York's real estate market, like their market is slowly declining right now. It's definitely on the decline. Like buying an apartment is still high, but it's going down at a pace that they've seen right before that last uh, market crash. So mm-hmm. that's like some things to kind of think about. Exactly. And then even like, when I think about the difference between a real estate investment and a stock market investment, one of the things that people need to know and understand is when you're investing in real estate, the bank gets all of your capital up front. So you have to pay, like say, for example, I wanted to buy a house that's $100,000 and I had to put 20% down. Let's, let, let's assume that it's an investment property. So I had to put down $20,000 to buy that house and give that money to the bank. And then I probably had to fix it up a little bit. Now I've given them $30,000 to own this house. And yes, I can rent it out, get a little bit of rental income, but I'm probably after the mortgage and you, know, you get your rent payment, but then you have to pay the mortgage, then you have to pay the homeowners association. You're probably only bringing in like $300 a month. But you had to pay thirty thousand to bring in three hundred dollars a month. That takes you eight years to pay off. Versus on the stock side, you um, have thirty thousand dollars. You get to keep that money in your account. And as you're investing in stocks, it's growing, but you still have access to the money. Mm-hmm. That's to me a better investment because down the road, when some of those houses do fall in price, you still have access to the capital to get it at a better price. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes right, a lot of right, sense. I'm glad you brought up that side of the, the argument because a lot of times when people do the stocks versus real estate thing, you just get a lot of bashing. You get a lot of mm-hmm. people like, oh, man, real estate, you can't never make no money in real estate, but they never give you reasons. They never give you actual legitimate reasons. And I, I like that that you brought that up because I didn't think of it like that, actually. Like, like, like how, you like can how much more in. liquid yeah. stocks are because I like real estate like I'm really big on, we're really big on trying to get us our first property. Yeah. Like we own stocks. We're really trying to get our first property nice. and we're big on it because we look at the cash flow for the long-term play and the consistency of it. We don't think about the trade-off of the actual 30 K investment that we could use if we took that same money and were efficient in the stock market. Right. Cause you got to put down your down payment. You got to fix it up. And then once you are even paying for the house, half of that mortgage payment is just going to the bank for interest. So it's not really going towards equity until about 10 years in. So a lot of that money is actually not really getting invested well until the long term. But it is a good long term investment. 
On the flip side, if you really want to generate some income, then stocks, I think, is a better better option because you get to keep that money in your account, generate the income on a regular basis. That's actually, I was about to ask about that. I know I was seeing uh, some people talking about there is such a thing as a happy medium between investing in strictly real estate and strictly stocks being like REITs. I heard mm -hmm. I my personal self, I, I just recently invested in some uh, some REITs for dividend purposes, like I, I feel like most people do. But how do you feel about that, like about REITs? I think REITs are cool. Um, I'm not an expert in them, so I don't want to speak as an expert on them. But I do think if you're thinking from the mindset of I want to put some money somewhere and get a monthly return, then a REIT is a really great option because you are getting some type of uh, regular return. Is it as high as if you were trading in stocks or a dis different asset class? Maybe not, but at least it's something and, it, and you still have that liquidity that I was talking about before. So I do think it's a very good option if you're depending on your goals. Okay. Um, and now I kind of want to pivot back to the stock market, but with an industry that is coming up, the cannabis industry and in trading in the stock market. Do you... Do you think that that is like something that's going to be a long-term play? And like, how do you feel about some of the markets? Because I know right now they're down like really bad. I feel like they were one of the markets that I mentioned overvalued yeah. initially. Like, Yeah. So last year, one of my biggest trades, I think I made 16000 in a day on Tilray stock. And like, I do believe in cannabis. I believe in, well, okay, let me... <laughs> to say that a different way i believe in the asset class of investing in cannabis stocks <laughs> um and i do think that when it is approved and legalized over the u.s like that's gonna be a huge place to be who needs an alarm in the morning when mcdonald's has sausage egg and cheese mcgriddles and a breakfast cut off ba-da-ba-ba-ba do I think right now you need to have all your money sitting in cannabis stocks though and just waiting for it to pop? No, I think that might be a money trap right now. Um, eventually, yes, there are going to be some great moves in that area. It's a huge like billion dollar industry. CBD oil is getting even bigger in so many places. I saw that um, a company recently was acquired and they are now having like NFL players and different players sponsor CBD oil. You I saw see that? It. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so it's, go it's going to be a great thing and it is a great thing. Um, but do I think you need to have your money there now? A lot of those stocks are falling and I, and usually I'm a, I'm a really big supporter of if a good company falls in price, that's when you should buy it but I just want people to be careful. I don't want you to be sitting on that for a year or two when you could have been investing in something else and then just came back when we see the legalization come up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's definitely something I kind of see too. Like once the, once the legalization and everything kind of comes back to play, I definitely think that's going to spike. But even there's been small wins for it. Like with the recent passing of them being able to, uh, all their money in banks and stuff now. That's yeah. kind of like, that's some amazing place for them. Yes, I think it's great. And I also think um, 
I don't know who it was. And I'm just putting this out there because I don't know everything about it, but I think it's cool to research. Somebody was telling me about ATM machines. No, no, no. That was, no, that was cryptocurrency. Never mind. But it was something like, you know how cannabis, sometimes you can't actually have that money in banks, but now you said you can. So that's good. Yeah. Um, but there might be some money to be made on the like ATMs and just I, I, exchanges I, I kind of get with you now. That, that, yeah, that is a smart play. Hey, what I don't know that what is. that is. No, it is. Some people, some people I, I actually, I was in a few different communities. I'm like you, I like doing research. And so I was in a few different investing communities and I came across some people that were uh, investing in vending machines and ATMs. That was like their primary things. And they had invested in the ATMs because with it not being nationally legal at that point, whenever you went in a dispensary, you had to pull out cash. You couldn't use yes. a card. So like every single dispensary had an ATM in it. So it was like, that was really good, quick business as far as ATMs. Cause one of the biggest issues is figuring out your location. So that was like automatic quick location right there where they had to use your service and they had to use it for cash. It would be like putting an ATM in like a strip club or something. <laughs> well, there hey, we go. The <laughs> I, mean, I love it, bro. Appreciate you for coming through, man. Yeah, welcome yeah, to the podcast, everybody. <laughs> hey, y'all, I'm sorry. I did. Uh, I came in late. I was attending uh, something I've never seen before. Uh, called a, a, a note burning a note burning for a church basically Ooh. they had paid off their mortgage and they own the church and the land now so they were having like this big thing about like burning the mortgage note and like they owned it now it was all there so i, I thought that was pretty cool hey we need to start thinking, cool. uh, thinking the culture i like that yeah, i like that yes right. i'm actually working party. yes i'm actually working on that right now uh i'm trading stocks to pay off i have a rental property in chicago i'm Paying off the mortgage on that rental property using trading. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's the way. All money. Now that's cool. That's cool because that 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 even speaks to what we talk about all the time with using a skill, building a skill, developing a skill, and then using that to purchase your assets. That's really cool. Yes. So what else do y'all want to know? What do y'all? What else can I tell you about trading stocks? I kind of like I'm the type of person because I know some people that listen to our podcast, they might, you know, they're trying to get started and trying to, you know, they're taking those baby steps. So if it is someone, you know, who's trying to just, you know, say, I want to learn about the stock market or I want to start trading. How would you direct that person and say, you know, here, let me help you out? Yes. When you're starting to trade, the the most important things are you do need to get educated. You really do. So I I would suggest taking a course. I have so many people who said, oh, I opened a Robinhood account or I opened a Stash account and I just put some money in there, but I didn't know what I was doing. And I, I don't think that's the best way to invest. I think you should learn what you're doing first and then you can start investing your money. And that way you don't lose it and it's not just some risky gamble or something like that. Um, I also think it's important to find a mentor. So find someone who's a good trader. And when I say a good trader, this is not a good marketer. This is not a good, (laughs) um, you know, just random person. No, they know how to trade stocks, find a mentor. And then I want you to open up a simulated account. So a fake account where you can practice with some money before you actually start trading with your real money. And I know I keep kind of pushing you back from trading your real money, but this is something that you you need to know how to do well before you get started. And I want you to practice, see some consistency in a fake account, and then go to your real money. Okay. 
So what are some of those simulated accounts that people can go, you know, kind of start playing around with? Sure. So uh, Rapunzel is an app that I like to use. We actually uh, posted the guy, Miles, uh, Miles Gage, the guy that made it. Oh, cool. I didn't even know who made it. Yeah, it's like a, he's like, he just graduated college not too long ago. He had made it for some high schoolers in Chicago area. Uh, we had posted a story on it a while back. Y'all scroll down. But back to the, <laughs> that's what you're saying. Oh, that's so awesome. So I like Rapunzel. They give you, I think, about $10,000 in fake money to play with. And then you can invest that. Uh, that one is a good one. I also encourage open the brokerage account with whatever broker you're going to be using. So like I use TradeStation. You can open an account with $500 and then they have a simulated account where you can actually practice with fake money before you trade your real account. So all of my students, we do that. And then while they're in my class, they're pra uh, trading in those practice accounts and then they start trading with their real money. Oh, that's really cool. And I like how, you know, you kind of brought up Stash and Robinhood and things like that too, because I wanted to get into those type of apps that are kind of, you know, cutting the way for the new trade, new millennial traders and stuff. Like even forcing some of the major big time companies to cut their trading rates like Charles Schwab Charles and who else? No, no. I think it was TD Ameritrade, yeah, that's who it was. Charles Schwab, and then E-Trade. E-Trade. Yeah, they yeah. all cut their commissions to zero. So, yes. Like, how do you feel about those new investment vehicles? So, I think it's a great thing that they're making it more affordable to trade. I, I think that's absolutely wonderful. And even uh, my brokerage, TradeStation, did a zero commission um, platform, but I do want people to just be aware that nothing is ever free. So look at the fine line and the details because you may have some things that are free, but then you still have fees in other places. So I just want you guys to check what you're actually trading. And it might actually even have a requirement on like how much money you have in the account. So um, just be mindful of what, what it really means to have zero commission trades. Um, yeah. And, and like acorns the one that kind of you know just automatically invests what is it is it, it, it invest in ETFs? ETFs? yeah, ETFs. yeah. Mm -hmm. but i did some research on them too they automatically invest in etfs but after their fees a lot of times you weren't really making very much make money any, that's why i don't like acorns i right. i looked into it myself because like i have an acorns account it was one of the first that's apps i was style. exposed to yeah i took all my money out of it too because i looked at it and like over time i generated like in a year the account may have generated thirty or forty dollars, but then you look into their fees and they took more than half of that. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like damn. Yeah. Like, I, I also encourage people that you want to learn how to trade full a full share of a stock. In Acorns and Stash and some of those companies, they were trading like portions of a stock. Mm -hmm. Um, but just keep saving up and building your actual cash amount so you can invest in a whole company. Because that way your money will grow quicker i think than just investing in pieces of a company yeah mm -hmm. etfs and stuff are good for diversification but not for individual growth and well etfs actually trade like a stock so i'm okay with the etf so one of my favorites is uh soxl and disclaimer real quick guys so i'm not a broker i'm not telling you what to trade in this is just me giving my personal advice or personal story but like one of my favorites is um, SOXL. They are a, like they do a lot of technology 
and semiconductors. So I like them a lot because whenever the semiconductors move, they move three times faster. Um, so anytime you see something like, oh, the chips and cell phones are going to such and such a company, SOXL will move pretty quick. So that's one that I like and it trades like a stock. So I actually am not against ETFs. I'm just saying I want you to be able to invest in a whole share of it instead of only being in, able to invest in pieces of a share. Okay, I like that. And with that being said, I want to go to index funds versus actual just, you know, like you said, a whole stock. Um, for those people, you know, that have a lower risk tolerance, do you suggest index funds or how do you feel about them? personally always think about just investing in high value companies so although i am an active investor and i invest in and out of companies there's about 30 stocks that i have for the long run i just invest in and out of them so whether it's um, an amazon or again i'm not telling people what to invest in but whether it's like an amazon or a southwest airlines i think those companies will be good into the next decade. I just uh, trade in and out of their stock. So in terms of, do I want you to invest in like the whole S&P 500 or invest in a stock? I personally invest in good companies and then just, like I said, invest in and out. Okay, I like it. Mm-hmm. You got anything else, David? I'm over here looking for that stock. Let's do it in, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I, there's a couple things that oh, I, man, I I pay attention to the news. Man. They be talking about the semiconductor chips a lot. I know <laughs> they do. They really do. And this China stuff is is impacting them a bit because the semiconductors many times are are built in China. So those trade wars will impact the semiconductors. But gaming is getting so big, and the semiconductors are in all the gaming technology. Um, all of our computers, our cell phones have chips chips yeah, in yeah. it so those things will not go anywhere those are going to no, be they're even to vietnam and korea that's what they're, yeah. that's what they're doing they're like let's okay can't do china tariffs but let's just apple it. just got like some restraints like lifted on some of their uh things from china there's yeah. a lot of there's a few companies that are getting some of their tariffs lifted apple just said they're doing really well in china Despite all this trade war, they were like, we don't know what y'all talking about. We're doing really well. <laughs> yeah, like for real though, man. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I actually want to get the iPhone 11. I think I'm going to get a new iPhone instead of a camera because it's, it's so good. I guess what I don't you know. need. I'm the, At this point, you you dang near can. At this point, you almost can. Like for, for what they're doing with these iPhones and the new cameras. Yeah. You, you can I just, think so. You can shoot it oh, so keep, keep it a stack. Y'all really messing with the three cameras. I like what it can do. I, I don't think it's ugly. The look of it is not it's not the most aesthetically pleasing to me, but I do like what it can do because I was looking like the ultra wide zoom, bro. If you would, right. like, man, that's crazy. Now you got a phone and a camera. And yeah, and a lot of people they don't know how to get the best, like in the best out of their cameras on that. All you gotta do is go into like your settings, switch a few little toggle switches on and stuff, and you really could get like a professional shot video. And with the it, phone. Yeah, with the phone. Yeah. And then it'll automatically like airdrop to your computer. Like it just makes it all easier. Functionality yeah. See, over fast. And that's why I like Apple too, because I like how seamlessly it just will go from device to device and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. And if and if you have any doubts about how good a quality their pictures are, just search the hashtag shot by iPhone. 
ridiculous. I looked at it the other day. It was it was crazy. Like some of these pictures, I have a, a Sony Alpha. It may shoot better shots than like I could imagine. Like that stuff is crazy. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna go check that hashtag out. <laughs> She's like, I'm gonna look at this. That. Yes, that's good. You go check out the hashtag, and we can pivot to the last segment of the show. We could uh, do what's on your timeline. I mean, we kind of in there, but we could just hop on what's on your timeline now. So what we do, what we do every episode is we have a segment at the end where we ask you about something that you seen on your timeline, either something that you posted or someone else posted that you thought was like important or impactful, or something you just want to speak on. Sure. I really do want to speak on this whole Forex and marketing thing. Let's get it. Um, I'm just so, so, okay. So let me just first say that Forex, Forex as an asset class for trading is a very legitimate, great asset class. So the different asset classes are Forex, which is currencies, options, which is a derivative of companies, stocks, which is companies. So it's options as a derivative of stocks. And then you have futures, which is commodities like um, soybeans, corn, that kind of stuff. All of those are different asset classes that are traded in the stock market. And one thing I will say is when you think about the stock market, you should literally think about a market, like the same way that they used to have a market in the old days for, or even currently for farmer's market where you trade vegetables or in Africa, there's cloth markets and you go and negotiate on cloth. Like you just really have people going into a market and they negotiate between buyers and sellers. That's what's happening in all of these markets. It's just about what they're negotiating on, whether it's shares of a company, oil and soybeans or currency exchanges. There's still a market. So I want to just say that those are four legitimate ways to trade. What I don't like though, is lately I've been seeing a lot of um, Forex people saying, Oh, pay me some money and I'll teach you how to go find other people. The way that you're going to make money is by marketing and recruiting other people. And guys, that's not trading. That's not trading in the stock market at all. And I'm seeing a lot of young kids buy into it, pay some money, and they're not learning how to trade. They're just learning how to recruit more people. So that has been something super, super disappointing to me lately. Yeah. 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 Especially for me, too. And I mean, I got a personal experience with I was one of the people you were referring to, uh, mm -hmm. like, in the past, before we got into this part of our journey of Black Oil Renaissance, I was trying to trade Forex as one of those, those trends that I seen was making people money. And that was something that was a huge turnoff for me. Like, okay, you guys said you were going to teach me how to trade. And like, I, I before I even joined, I had started doing my own due diligence. Like, I had downloaded the MetaTrader 4 app and started playing in the demo account by myself. And I was doing fairly decent. I like even went and looked at YouTube videos myself. And like, I, I, I was starting to kind of get a rhythm. And then I joined them. I got the education. The education felt underwhelming to me. The signals, if you weren't, if you weren't there at the exact time the signal dropped, you missed it pretty much. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Like, it, it was a couple things that, like, were promised that were lacking. And the one thing that the theme that kept coming across was, oh, you don't have to worry about that as soon as you get a couple other people on under you. And I'm mm. like, that's, that's not what this was about. You said you guys were going to help me make money, additional income trading. 
yet you told me I'm losing money right now and you don't worry about losing money. Just go get some people up under you. Hmm. That's yeah, that is sick. Sound pretty pyramid right. schemish to me, but right, right. And I I put a post up on my page, and I've actually gotten a lot of positive feedback on it. We didn't know what was going to happen when we put it out. We didn't know if people were going to come and start, you know, getting all upset at us. But actually, we haven't had that because it seems like a lot of people are having your experience, mm-hmm. where somebody promised them to teach them how to trade, but then they didn't teach them. Um, one thing I will say is I think one thing people need to know is that when you're starting to trade stocks, you need to have a certain amount of money where you can actually trade and make that money grow. You need to have some discretionary income. And I think where these pyramid schemes are preying on people is they're telling them, well, you don't need any money to start. We're going to teach you. And then like you'll make money. But the thing is in stocks, you're actually making your own money grow. And if you don't have any money to start with, you can't make it grow. Um, recruiting people is not going to get you to, to have more money. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm not yeah, being no, clear. Like, it, that's no, that it doesn't. Even like with the cash app scheme that they done where you send me money oh, and get other bro, people. That oh, shit. that was, that was terrible. Uh, just all the Ponzi schemes though. It just, just by you getting more people under you, that doesn't make you that that just means that the last person to join is the person that's losing. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Yeah. And I think they're oh go ahead, Jared. But I was gonna say I think they're preying on people that don't have very much money and promising them the world. And then I think that's how people are getting sucked in. Yeah. But that's not how you really trade. You have to have some income and then learn the skill set to make that money grow. What you got, Right. No, I was I was really just going to kind of rehash that. Like, I really like that she pointed that out because, like, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that. And I feel like the same thing happens with wholesaling. It's like people don't understand that, like, basically, it's going to be a trade-off. And this is one thing I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast. It's going to be a trade-off. It's either going to be time or it's going to be money, nine times out of ten. And it's like either you're going to have to spend the time, build a skill, earn some money, and then have that money so that you can turn around and invest it. Or you're going to have the money and just be able to go ahead and hop in and bump your head and lose money and keep on putting money into it and learn how like that. But it's like there, there's this, this balance bar that you're going to be on that it is only money or time. And like people don't understand that. And I feel like they get messed over a lot because then they'll get promised something like low money or no money. They'll hop in and then they're expecting to make all this money. And it's like, well, you know, it, it doesn't really work like that. Or if it does, it's going to require a lot of time on your part to make that happen. Right. Like I've had some people come to me and they'll say, oh, well, I've saved up a thousand dollars and I'm trying to make six thousand dollars a month. Uh, baby, that's not going to happen. Um, that's the, not going to do <laughs> the return. Like you have to think about it in terms of uh, percentages and what's the, the return on that. So just making a thousand dollars off of a thousand is a hundred percent return. Now you want to make $6,000 off of a thousand dollars. And I might have my numbers wrong, but that's like a 600% return you're trying to make every month. And 600% return is, is, is unreasonable. Like you should be excited. Think about your retirement plans. They're excited at a 10% return per year. So you, when you got to think about, okay, if I'm trying to make money, I'm not going to make a hundred percent return every month. That, that just doesn't even make sense. 
but some people are getting that idea that that's possible. And I think that's, like I said, I think that's when people get caught up. Yeah. And my last part, I'm tired of praying on college students too. Yeah. Like a lot bad. of them, it's yeah, bad. like a lot of them will like... take their refund checks and they'll go try to, you know, pay and get more people. But that's, that's just, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So moral of the story is Forex is actually a good thing to do and learn how to trade. Yeah. However, you want to make sure that you have some money or and or have some time to learn the skill set so that when you do get some money, you can make it grow. Amen. Using Forex or stocks or something else. Preaching on this Sunday. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's why she's a good teacher. I definitely <laughs> need to look into her course because she just summed that up real nice. Wrap the bow on it. Speaking of Thank you. Let, let people know where they can find you, uh, what you offer and where they can just get everything. Sure. So I have a course called Trade and Travel, and it actually goes through the seven step strategy. I was telling you guys that I use to pick a stock or to trade. Every time I take a trade, it's seven steps. So we start with picking good companies because that's important. Then we go into risk management then charts and how do you know when to get into a trade and when to get out of a trade. Then market timing. This might be a great company, but is this the right time to take the trade? And then when you keep going into the VIP program, we talk about shorting. How do you make money when the stock market is falling? We do some advanced trading strategies like gaps and Globex trading, and then I teach them options. So all those things, those seven classes are offered in my VIP trade and travel course. Um, they can find out about the course because actually we're enrolling right now. Uh, they can find out about the course at itradeandtravel.com. And how I long is uh, enrollment lasting for? We're enrolling for all of October, but I'm actually starting live group coaching calls on October 14th. So okay. if they can get in then, then they can actually get in before I start live coaching and they'll have access to the online curriculum and access to me to ask me their questions. Okay. Well, y'all definitely get into that. Mm -hmm. um, did you give them your Instagram where they can follow you and keep up with you? Oh, yes. You can also follow me on Instagram at I'm an investor. It looks like Imani investor. So everybody thinks that my name is Imani, <laughs> but it's I'm an investor at uh, um, on Instagram. I was going to say at Instagram, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. Y'all definitely go follow her, though. She's always dropping some gems, definitely uh, educating you on what's going on. Um, so definitely a great resource. Um, we're going to pivot to some house cleaning before we wrap up the episode. We also want to thank you again for coming on the episode today, Terry. It was a pleasure. Definitely got to talk about some great things, got some great insight. Um, we want to just say, oh, no problem. Uh, we want to just say thank you to all the listeners who just keep on coming back every week and just constantly just helping us grow. Um, we appreciate just being able to get people like Terry to help you on your uh, destination and on your journey while you're just traveling with financial literacy. Um, you can go to our website, blackwealthrenaissance.com and you can figure out about, uh, you can learn about different things. Yeah, such we got as, courses on yeah. everything, man. We got courses on mobile notary classes, investing in mobile homes. We're going to have trading and traveling on that thing. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get y'all right. Yeah, we trying to get everybody right. Trying to provide the community with the tools and resources. We also have the blog. Go out, 
We got useful information on there. We got the realtor directory, CPA directory. We, we just trying to provide y'all the tools and resources. Yeah. So uh, we definitely just going to keep on growing and just keep on trying to just help everybody that we can um, and just providing those resources, like you said. Um, also, y'all go to our Patreon account. You can go to our Patreon account and uh, become a Patreon supporter and just support the uh, podcast where we're able to know move around and everything. Um, we have an event in Atlanta. You know, the Patreon account kind of help with everything with that. And what is it? You know the... Uh, oh, patreon.com slash T-H-E-B-W-R. Yeah. Our boy Kelly normally handle that, but don't worry, I got you today, Kel. Yeah, yeah, hold it down for him. And the membership just starts at a dollar a month. And you get to get some bonus content and uh, kind of just see what we what goes on behind the scenes. So definitely, y'all become a Patreon member, and you'll be able to also talk to us one on one too. Um, we just appreciate everybody. You got anything else? Shit, nah, I'm good. Oh, also, y'all be on the lookout for the Investor Summit oh, happening yeah, 2020, the Black Investor Summit. Text Summit to 21000. That's Summit to 21000 to keep up with the Investor Summit. It's about to go crazy. Yeah. So on that note, this is Black Wolf Renaissance signing out. Peace. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.